No commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Welcome back to another edition of the BOA Revival, and I am very excited about tonight's program. Uh, this one is kind of, I've had them on my on my list to talk to, and uh, as Jack and a test a couple of weeks ago, the, the light bulb kind of went off, and I'm like, these guys, this is, I'm kind of was like looking for the right mix of people to sort of as part of this initial batch. And I'm like, these, this is it. That That's from the list. These are the folks I want to talk to. These are the folks I want to talk to. That's kind of, that's the ethos of Been All of America. Who do I want to talk to? Not just, oh, who can I get to talk to? It's who do I want to talk to? Who do I want to talk about issues and topics and all that good stuff? from the world of the paranormal and beyond. Uh, but tonight we're going to really be in the realm of UFOs, uh, in the realm of sort of those tangential areas. My guests tonight are longtime friend of the show, Jack Brewer. You know him from uh, the UFO trail. He's the author of The Grays Have Been Framed, Exploitation in the UFO Community, as well as, well as Wayward Sons, NICAP, and the IC, or Intelligence Community, for those uh, out of the loop. And uh, alongside Jack tonight will be Erica Lukes, who has she's a she's been in the UFO community for a super long time. We were kind of laughing about it even uh, before you got uh, on the call, Jack. That is just we're, we're just kind of like our two circles never cross paths. Um, and so I, I'm excited to get you on the show tonight. Uh, I I I think I've said this before about Jack on the program, and I I stand by it, and uh, I'll repeat it here, Jack. I. I've grown to be quite the cynic in the world of UFOs over the years um, to the point that like, I really kind of with, with all, I don't say this with malice, but the people, the, the only handful of people who I kind of know and have encountered and run across over the years, there's only a handful of people that I, that I can say, yeah, that person, I, I'm totally solid with them. That I have the utmost respect for Jack. I have the, the world of respect for Jack Brewer and what he does and taking on, uh, you know the slings and arrows of the of the of of the of the UFO trolls, which is just a nightmare in and of itself. And and he's a straight shooter. That's that's probably the best way to put it. And and like I said, I from what I can tell, Erica, from my understanding and slight following of you, you're of the same uh, cut from the same cloth. And and so when I heard that Jack was pairing up with you last year, it's like, well, Jack is not going to team up with <laughs> Jack's not going to team up with any. You know, he is the ultimate litmus test. So if, if you get the thumbs up from Brewer, then you're all right. And and so, well, thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And and so I'm like, all right, this is this is good stuff. And and so you guys teamed up last year to to form Expanding Frontiers Research, which is a 501c3. Now, before we get into all that, it's a long setup here, but let's introduce you, Erica. I'm, I have a feeling probably that the Banal America listeners have Heard you, heard you on programs, you've contributed to books, you've been on TV shows, I believe. Um, you were the host of a long-running podcast, UFO Classified, which I, I'm 
guessing a lot of an All-America listeners have heard. But give us the bio, the background. Who is Erica Lukes, you know, for the encyclopedic record here of an All-America? You know, who are you? How would you get mixed up in all this? Frightening. (laughs) Um, You know, I I ask myself that question every day. How did I get mixed up in this? But I've loved, you know, since I was a little child, I've been fascinated with the paranormal and UFOs and and things. And so I, I started reading about this topic, I mean, basically in grade school. And that was something that never really stopped, even though there were times in my life when I would kind of put it in the, you know, back, you know, back closet for a minute, but I would always find my way back to, to the subject. And I um, had a, a couple of interesting experiences in 2013. And I thought, you know, at the time that they were unusual. And so I um, started doing some studying. I found MUFON. <laughs> And interestingly <laughs> enough, and oh Lord, the, you know, the stories get good from there. So I became um, state director for MUFON, Utah. Oh, okay. And I, you know, it was a very interesting thing. I also worked um, with headquarters. And at that point in time, I was, I was attempting to do my best to help the organization look like it's try to appeal to a younger demographic. Okay. Instead of appealing to, you know, an 80-year-old white man. That right. Was what year was this? So this was back in 2014. Okay. This is post-carry-on? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I remember going to a MUFON symposium, and he was there. And it was just like everybody was, you know, their backs were against the wall. Oh, my, there he is. There he is. And oh, God. it was just so interesting to see that dynamic. It, it makes me laugh to this day. But um, so I... I was involved in MUFON and I had some experiences where I would be looking at the database and there wasn't a lot of information about Utah cases and sometimes cases would be in the database and then they wouldn't be. And I was taking over for basically restarting a defunct chapter that was recently, you know, previously run by Elaine Douglas. And so I was trying to learn as much as I could about her and that was an interesting experience with her abduction research and also her her in investigations into Bigelow and the buying of the MUFON database. Yeah. So I, you know, started having some questions about things and would, would ask the executive director, Jan Harzen, Harzen at the time, you know, where's the data going? Why haven't we done anything with 50 years of data? You know, we're just you know, strolling along and and things like that. And people are making money. There's no cohesiveness from MUFON headquarters down to the smaller chapters and and things. So needless to say, uh, flash forward, I am out of, I resigned from MUFON with my state director and then I start doing private research on my own and kept my show going, started an archive. And then I, you know, just over the years delved into Skinwalker Ranch, and that has been an eye-opening experience, to say the least. Yes, from what and I understand, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so and so MUFON and, and Skinwalker Ranch definitely taught me a lot about the subject and the people involved in the subject. Mm. And so it's been a process, but I have always, you know, for a long time I've, I've looked at Jack, you know, like you and at first because I was – believing a bit more than I do now. Now I don't believe. (laughs) Now I want proof. It's a miracle. And so I was always, you know, well, actually at first I was like, oh, Jack Brewer, 
you know, kind of a little frightened by him. You know, he's he's right on the money and he's going to call people yep. out. And just, then the I facts. Just, just the facts. Yeah. And, and I just became so, as I learned more, I became so impressed with that, that I just were, was really gravitated towards Jack and his work. And when he approached me uh, to become you know, to work with a nonprofit, to start this nonprofit, I was just like, I couldn't think of anybody better. And my, uh, my instincts on that were spot on. I, I cannot think of a better research partner than Jack. Yeah. It's been a really fun experience. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Jack, tell us about expanded frontiers research. Interestingly, um, the, what really, piques my interest and kind of uh, interested me was the it's the fi- obviously what the work you're doing and the purpose and the goals of all that and then it's a 501c3 which is very different from uh, <laughs> UFO are you sure this is a paranormal group because uh, <laughs> I believe that's like for for nonprofit I <laughs> yeah not, not <laughs> really <laughs> right 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 <laughs> um, not really it it's not um, we're dedicated to conducting and publishing original research. And just because of our background, sometimes that's going to um, overlap with the UFO topic, but we wanted to be able to go into other things as well. And we're we're interested in environmental issues and a number of things. But uh, I did want to start by saying um, thank you so much for that that introduction, Tim. I, I'm honored, and thank you, Erica, for for the kind things uh, you said as well. And I just want to say that during 2020, when I was working from home, and we're we're all terrified of, of what COVID's going to be and what's going on. I would listen to Erica's show from seven to nine, and then <laughs> I'd listen to Banal of America from nine to 11. And that was just <laughs> my Friday night. And you would both diligently do it live. You gave people a community to hang out in online while we had all stopped going to bars, stopped going to restaurants. And I, I, really really appreciated the work both of you did so thank you very much thank you thanks man thanks shout out to dr tyler coke john who was uh my co-host for that corona virus uh run there in 2020 a lot of fun interesting experience uh despite the circumstances it was uh yeah quite the experience so expanding frontiers you're absolutely right this is not a paranormal group per se this is not even a ufo group per se it's expanding frontiers research covers all possibilities i saw in the archive you have ira einhorn files in there that's you know that's fringe stuff but it's certainly not paranormal or anything like that um so is what is the importance of i mean you mentioned it on the blog but i think we should explain to people what is the importance of the 501c thing because i kind of as i was joking very often it's like most people first they roll out the t-shirts and the patreon and and (laughs) so this is a very different approach Sure, sure. I have worked with nonprofit organizations in the past, so I had some background in that when I approached Erica and uh, talked to her about some questions she might want to ask herself about her archive and the work she was doing there in Salt Lake. And I told her if 
she wanted to discuss it at some point, um, I, I would be happy to talk with her about it, that, that I had some background in um, working with um, nonprofit corporations as well as organizing them. And there were some things she might want to consider that could be beneficial. And among those things are that when people donate equipment, time, cash, various resources, it's tax deductible. So that, that's certainly a benefit to people as compared to just giving to a Patreon or a right. cause that, that, that they may want to support, but it's always nice to have the tax deduction if, if applicable as well. But a big reason that we wanted to go with a, a 501c3 is it makes an organization eligible to apply for grant funding. And yeah. so we have been submitting proposals to various agencies and uh, coordinating with qualified professionals in, in the areas that we have looked at, for instance, like the National Endowment for the Humanities, and we would like to do some uh, archiving work with them and interview some people in Utah that have uh, rich histories surrounding Salt Lake and some things like that. I, I could go more into it, yeah, but yeah. basically human interest things and the humanities projects in the humanities. So the 501c3 made us eligible to apply for grant funding and right, right. you know anything that that an organization wants to try to do. Yeah, because your stuff, a lot of it is centers around FOIA stuff. So I assume, yeah, being yeah, it's a lot easier if you have a nonprofit 501c to get help than if you're like uh, you know some fly, some paranormal group, <laughs> you know. Or even like, as individuals, or, yeah, just even not individuals. eligible to right. apply for funding. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let me see. Uh, let's start off with the Phenomicon stuff. I guess that was kind of your big splash onto the scene. Um, and so since we just heard from Jack a little bit, let's start with uh, we'll start with Erica here on this. What is the okay. I'm trying to think of how to even because people need to really kind of read this whole thing. It's really tell people sort of what is the focus there of, of this investigation that you guys undertook um, into this phenomenon event that was held out in Utah. Okay. And, um, and I will just kind of preface this by, you know, going back to the fact that I've, I'm from Utah and I've, I have looked into and been involved with a lot of players with skin in skinwalker ranch and the, in the whole history of things. And so for me doing as a researcher, I like to, I'm not looking at the bright and shiny, you know, pie in the sky kind of thing. I'm doing background research into specific individuals, into their, you, you know, what the organizations they belong to um, in Utah. It's a very, it's, it's a big state, but it's a very small community. And right, being a right. business owner myself, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people who interact with specific uh, groups and individuals. And so there were some questions that I began to have again about Skinwalker Ranch and some of the uh, the stories that were being told 
and when you know you've got a place where allegedly people are being you know hit with uh, ionizing radiation and people are getting cancer yada 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 and yet nobody is looking into that topic there's no you know you've got right. the attorney general sean reyes who's on the new show you've got the governor the former governor gary herbert who was on the new show as well and none of these officials are looking into the health hazards that are being promoted by the ranch you know those things to me really really stood out and became problematic and so yeah. i'm digging into like the environmental issues around the ranch i'm digging into financials i went to um, the sister conference of phenomicon up in they do two conferences up there in in Vernal, oh, utah wow which is kind of a sleepy town and it's it's about 35 40 minutes outside of skinwalker ranch and i went to that the same people were speaking and it was very interesting it's this big beautiful place that they they built a few years back and there were there was a lot of a lot of money thrown into that and it made me wonder Again, you've got a conference, Phenomicon specifically. It's in Vernal, Utah. The only, a lot of the, the things that go on in that area, I mean, it's the oil industry really uh, booms, but it's not a destination area unless you're looking at going to dinosaur land and things like that. And so to go there is a big, that's a big effort. So how much are taxpayers paying for this? That was one of my first questions that I had how much is how much is the city really truly benefiting from 50 people you know that right, are going right. to a conference and as far as i know to this day we still have never seen any numbers about how many people actually attend the conference which i think is suspect and we can oh wow that. <laughs> yeah they won't disclose that information when you see pictures you can see that clearly the the conference hall is is not even half full Right, and to be clear, the this event is paid for by the government, the town, by Utah, by the yep, it, county, it is. Yeah, the county. Yeah, so I, you know, well, I started. County, okay. Yeah, the, and I had, you know, questions about the whole thing. And yeah, so no, it's I, very. It's like, look, if I <laughs> part of the thing is if I, I know enough, we know enough. If my tax dollars were going towards putting on a UFO conference, it's like, well, you don't have to throw the money in the trash, dude. You're not, like, it's not going to make any money. This isn't, like, a business venture. So, I mean, if you want to throw 10 grand or something, maybe at the at the UFO folks to try and put on a show. But we're talking, like, big money here. This is, this yeah, is we're considerable talking, money. Yeah. And, and the thing that, you know, is interesting, too, and I want to just say I have people, again, that, you know, work in the community, people that work for um, – I mean, for domestic violence, they work for uh, children in, in need that have disabilities in that specific area, and they're getting their taxpayer funding, uh, funding cut, and they don't have oh, the ability man. to do services to help the community that is very much in need, and yet you've got this conference, and they're giving Travis Taylor you know, 5,000 for one speaking event, you know, and a couple grand for lunch. I mean, things like that. And it was just like, yeah. okay, what's going on here? And so I, when I approached Jack, you know, Jack was just right on it. Let's do it. And so he did what he does best, which is doing, reaching out, doing grammar requests, reaching out to uh, the travel and tourism and getting them on a record. And then from there, that's when we were able to get enough information put together to expose 
what our taxpayer money was going to. Yeah. And what did you think, Jack, when you saw Jack? What was the what was the final amount uh, ballpark that they put into this event, the county? And what were you, what were your thoughts when you saw that number for the first time? Oh, I was pretty surprised. They they've done <laughs> they've done three of them now. The last one, their budget, they they allocated about 125 grand for this wow. event this this year. Just just a few days. That, 50, ago. that like we think about 50 people showed up. Ballpark. They they claim a lot more, but um, they so did the flat earthers when I was going to see them down in Dallas, Jack. Yeah, they're they're not they're not being helpful and open in helping us understand right. where they're getting these figures. Um, they they also um, claim that they bring a lot of revenue in. We're trying to look at tax records, like how much sales tax is being paid during this time compared to years past when they didn't even have the event. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that we can really even see a, a significant difference here. And the fact that they're not real forthcoming and, you know, like you see me, both of you have seen me make the point before that when intelligent, competent people want to systematically and coherently make a point, they do. It's not, you don't have to pull it out of them and you you don't have to piece together information from three different agencies and have to surmise this. It, It, it seems obvious to us, Tim, yeah. that if you could show that this was really in John Doe's better interest, you'd be happy to lay these sales tax figures and hotel taxes and everything else on yeah, it. Yeah. So it, it's, I, I, I'm doubtful to be polite. Yeah. Right, right. Can, can I and just so, add? And so, and where it really comes into focus, as Erica was saying, the speakers at these events who, like Thomas Winterton, for instance, is an organizer. He's on the county's organizing committee and personally profits from this. And and we're talking about five-digit figures of profit over three years time we're not talking about a couple hundred bucks here and right there. right yeah yeah and a gift card to yeah. chilies or whatever yeah yeah well it's and, and you may be going in this direction erica but i wanted to make a point so i don't lose the thought and it's it, it i recognize that it, it's beyond the issue of sort of wasteful spending which uh is, is ridiculous with the ufo topic attached to it um but also the health thing where it's like these part of the ethos of skinwalker ranch is like you could go there and you could be things could happen to you like for the rest of your life or whatever and it's kind of uh and i think uh like you could be attached like the ghost the ghost the aliens or whatever it'll attach to you um hitchhiker yeah hitchhiker yeah yeah i didn't even want to dignify it jack (laughs) (laughs) um But it might be trademarked. Right. Exactly. You know what? Yes, it probably is. Now that you mentioned it, Jack. Good point. And, and, I wanna, I, and part of the mind. deal is like they were charging tickets to like you get to go and have lunch at Skinwalker Ranch. So it's like, wait a minute. If this is dangerous and shit, shouldn't, shouldn't you? It's like, look, we're taking you at your word, Skinwalker Ranch. You say 
that the aliens attach to people. So maybe you shouldn't just bring any asshole onto the thing that has 75 bucks. But they like, do. You gotta, but, you know, so everyone's <laughs> like, oh, you're a debunker. It's like, no, we're not actually. This isn't even a debunking position. We're taking you completely at your word. If you go to Skinwalker Ranch, the aliens can stick to you. So maybe don't just – maybe you should, like, build a wall. Maybe you should not be bringing people onto the fucking ranch. <laughs> or if, if if you do bring people onto the ranch, make sure that they're actually people who are monitoring their, the environment and uh, keeping track of the radiation. But you know that's uh, that exactly is, is, exactly it's ridiculous. But I wanted to go back really quickly to you know the point of how you know we're we're not being told what the, the taxes what the, what the revenue is truly for businesses in the area and i think one thing that is really important to note with regard to that is the fact that when people travel to phenomicon they're staying in the main hotels there's one it, it, it's not locally owned mind you that's the, the most popular place for all of them um to stay and people that are coming into town. It also is interesting because I've talked to business owners there who have not seen any revenue because of Phenomicon, because people are going there, they're parting with the, the people from, you know, Phenomicon at the hotel. They're not venturing out to businesses. They're not having lunch oh, wow. in the community. They're having lunch at food trucks that are wheeled up to the place that are owned by specific people involved with with the ranch allegedly and so you know all the mom and pop stores that could be benefiting like they probably do when people are at dinosaur land uh yeah. and visiting the the petroglyphs and things like that i mean it's people are in phenomenon and then they're out and right. so there's no revenue being generated and i also did speak with a person with utah tour travel and tourism and they said that they're that the, the time that they hold the conference is the busiest time of the year for tourism that typically has been that way for for decades because yeah. of you know the, the fact that people are getting ready to go back to school it's a beautiful time to visit the area so there really is no way other than um, getting numbers from you would think the people that are claiming that this is increasing revenue so it's, it's very yeah. interesting yeah so you have to compare it to the same time of year and factor in inflation and all that when they were never having the event. Because, you know, like if I have a lemonade stand on the 4th of July in DC, I can't claim I brought all of that tourism <laughs> to DC, you know? Yeah. yeah. But another, one more thing, and then we'll flip it back to Tim here. But, Erica was touching on there that how do they decide who gets to, to make five grand for being a speaker? Who gets to be a vendor? Who gets a $75 a head tour to their business and who doesn't? And yeah, we hear a lot of grumbling about that, that, that people that work in the area that have businesses in the area that want to be supported while this core group is organizing it and paying themselves out of county funds right. there are small business owners people that do tours people that own operations there in the area that are being isolated and like told to rent a vendor's table if they want to be yeah involved. 
And also, too, um, sorry, no, I no, promise. We'll, right. well, you know, Jack and I get this going, and I'm telling you, we've got so much to tell you. <laughs> but there, you know, there was a, you know, I think it was Rome. Tim, if you there. got something to do, we'll just take it. I'm just going to go put the baseball on, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, there, uh, there were people in Roosevelt, Utah, and again, the ranch is just right outside of Roosevelt, but they were, they actually printed off t shirts and mugs, and they wanted to, you know, just sell them to to people and make a little bit of money, and then they were uh, threatened with a lawsuit. Um, yeah, yeah, because they were using Skinwalker, um, and I get, apparently they've trademarked Skinwalker, which you, you've got to just wonder how how can you even trademark that and talk about cultural misappropriation? I mean, they're yeah, like, just, exactly. <laughs> there's so many things going on there. So enormous. Yeah. Well, I have a very basic question to sort of. Uh, wrap my mind around a little more um how much do they charge let's say i live in the town i wanted to go to see the, the event how much do i have to pay to go to see it? like what's the ticket that's to get a very the- good question and we we have been in correspondence and doing records requests with the county over the last couple of weeks and are having some difficulty getting that under a glass They've given me amounts for what they say they sold in tickets and okay, for yeah, different yeah. types of passes, but it, it's it's been very tedious to get information out of them about how many people and what did they pay and and how like what's the documentation like like i literally just got these things answered in an email after i did a records request and i was like well what's the documentation for that like you know i guess i'll just have to do another request of just give me every financial document you got yeah yeah it's like i just come down to the office and Can you just let me go right. through the fucking thing? Because you don't seem to know what you're looking for, you claim. But, but that's exactly the- that's exactly what we're talking about here, Tim. Of if you had information you were proud of, it seems like you'd be shoving it at me, you know? Right, and, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, well I, hold on. Go now, ahead. Man. I'll be quiet. I, I, I have to talk because other people will yep. say, "What is this?" <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was in all of America. Listen, folks, I'm, I'm taking it easy. Um, I guess because the reason I ask about the cost of tickets to get in is twofold in a way. One, if this was really about improving the community, like, look at fucking Roswell. They put a ton of money into their thing. But it's there's tons of free stuff that's free, 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 free. Like, if, if they're going to put on a conference like that, it, it, they do the same thing up in Exeter, McMinnville, I'm sure is... Uh, you know, if you got to go see the speakers, it's 10 bucks or something like that. I think that's a guess because I'm saying in Exeter, I think it's like 25 bucks now to go in and see the whole day of, of things. But I'm guessing that we're, this stuff is much more expensive and uh, it's very sort of isolated. But these things, they're like festivals. So if you want to help the community, you need to put on a festival. You need to have involve all the local businesses and do all of that. If you're going to put on sort of a private conference, that's fine. Do that. But you can't be funded by... The community, it just seems completely incongruous to me. Um, and I think I've mentioned this to Jack before, but part of me wonders, too, sometimes if, like, 
it's uh, not necessarily this event, but some of these events, they're so like out of the way. You got to kind of really hike it to it. You got to spend a lot of money. I sometimes wonder if like, if you're one of those people, just be careful if you go, because they know you spent a lot of money to come to the middle of nowhere, Utah. And people will tell you fantastic things uh, <laughs> because, because they know you spent a lot of money to come to Utah. And what else might you spend money on? Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I hope that but you you guys know what I'm talking about. I think Point hopefully well anyone, listening, yeah. anyone listening, you know, who's like, I'd like to go to one of those things. I'm going to shell out like two grand to fly from Boston. You know, it would probably cost me somewhere, you know, maybe a thousand bucks or something like that. Plus, to go. so it's like, oh, they, all right, well, this guy's going willing to spend a lot of money and go a long way to do it. So what else might he, yeah. <laughs> he want to do? Yeah, it's it's interesting. It, 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 there are some really wonderful people in that area that I've become friends with over the years. And it's, um, they, you know, we talk about it and kind of are just in, in shock at how they really do appear to play favorites and, and exclude other business owners. And that's unfortunate because, as you mentioned, this is it should be a community effort if it is being paid for by the community and so that that shouldn't be happening and I think too you you mentioned the health effects or or just you know talking about that and and the lore surrounding that well I mean (laughs) you know you've got you know you're you're creating a narrative and you have people that are into a subject that might not be emotionally well that might have that's true you know and, and so I just remember being at that that conference and seeing people coming in that that are being targeted and manipulated and being told that they're special and they've got psychic gifts, you know, just like a lot of UFO conferences. And to me, that's really um, pretty shameful um, and very unethical. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's uh... so what has been. So you've uncovered this now. Like what has been I know you got some coverage on the local news out there in Utah, but what has are they just kind of stonewalling you guys? Are they going to, are they going to, well, what's been the reaction to this, to you guys shedding light on this very shady situation uh, with the phenomenon? Uh, Jack, what's, what was the, cause that came out like a, about a year and a half ago almost. So what is that? Yeah. Yeah. We're very pleased with the coverage we got. And um, Stephen Greenstreet at the New York Post has uh, highlighted some of our work on it as well in, in his videos. And as you say, we've gotten local coverage, Fox 13. I think that what's important about it is bringing these issues to the public to let them consider and let them contemplate. Like, for instance, in our uh, blog post on Phenomicon, we interviewed a an expert in ethics, and he, he formerly worked with the Department of Justice, and he's a professor, and uh, he, he talked about how sometimes uh, unethical activity may not rise to the point of being against the law, but we should keep in mind that for constituents to trust their, their elected officials, that they should not try to operate within the law, but to 
actually be proud of what they do and want to be open and transparent and make their constituents proud and trusting of what they're doing, not just trying to avoid being charged with breaking the law, you know. And so I, I think that we've, we've brought these questions to the forefront and th there's as Erica and you have gotten at here, Tim, there's just such really uh, ethically questionable things about um, Thomas Winterton claims that, that he's gotten a head injury that he likens to Havana syndrome. Gary Nolan has said that they, that he and his um, intelligence community researching colleagues have a Havana syndrome case that they viewed from Skinwalker Ranch. I don't know where he comes up with a statement <laughs> like that, but, um, you know, I find it very doubtful, very subjective. But the point being, if we give them the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, you've got state actors conducting some kind of crazy non-lethal weapon testing and aiming and harming people around Skinwalker Ranch, why are we inviting the public to this area? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and charging them 75 bucks to like eat, eat have brunch there or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's very it's very odd. Yeah. You'd love to you wonder if you find take up like an email somewhere between the people who are like the government people who are rising like it's all bullshit. Don't even worry about it. It's like you know, we're hoping that's the one you <laughs> they told me it's all bullshit, so everything will be fine. Uh yeah. It's yeah, it's it's very the whole fucking thing is strange. And I'm but has there been have like clearly got on TV and shit there. They they must have chased down like someone who was responsible for this, uh, and or within the government, someone within the county who, uh, what's the, been the county's reaction? I guess they just sort of say it's they, they try to justify it by saying it helps the community. Pretty much, the Vernal City um, manager. Uh, he he tried to field a few questions from me, and then he kind of cut it off and said, <laughs> uh, unless I want to um, submit formal records requests, he, he was finished emailing with me. But who has been left to catch the brunt of it is a lady named Leisha Colthart who is the director of travel and tourism for Uinta County. And I, I empathize with the job she's in. Um, let's just say I wouldn't want to be in charge with um, raising tourism dollars and getting people to visit Uinta County, Utah. Yeah. So I empathize with she's she's trying to do her job. I also empathize with she she's got people there in the county that uh, have some money and have some powerful people behind them that, that want to get paid county funds to do the these conferences. So there's a lot of dynamics going on. 
Erica could speak more to that, I'm sure. But the answer to your question is mostly it's fallen upon the Leisha Colehart, the yeah, travel yeah. and tourism director, to field our questions and fill our requests. But for now, it just seems like they're just going to keep chugging ahead and just do do their thing. They're not like, yeah. hey, we need to reconsider yeah. this or anything. Yeah. And too, it is worth you know mentioning that uh, Thomas Winterton, the caretaker, the whatever steward of the ranch uh, next to Brandon Fugel, is his father is the sen- is senator, and so his father has been responsible for passing lots of great tax breaks for the film industry, and oh, wow. they're pushing for uh, really getting the the funding for the Uinta Basin Railway which would extract resources out of that area and has been quite controversial from an environmental standpoint. And so you have all of these uh, factors in the Skinwalker Ranch, in fact, sits on uh, an oil reserve uh, that is owned by former, uh, by the, um, not the Shermans, but by by my having a brain cramp, um, uh, Garth Myers, by the Myers family who, interestingly enough, was my bishop when I was a small child. Oh, wow. So, small I know. This town is so small, I'm telling you. Uh, but so there are lots of, you know, you go to the ranch or around the ranch, and there are lots of, uh, you know, oil uh, rigs popping up. They're doing a lot of fracking and oh, wow. things like that. And so people have a vested interest in making sure that that is a booming business, even though there is an environmental impact uh, to that, so it, it, it's it's fascinating, and there are also health concerns with that. And so, is are they using the Skinwalker Ranch, you know, the hitchhiker or the Havana syndrome, and all of this crap to deflect from what's taking place in in uh, with environmental issues? That's uh, the question to dig into wow. another day. But it's it opens a lot of a lot of questions that really deserve to be looked at. Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting. Skinwalker Ranch, as we all know, is an interesting topic. It's, I find it kind of interesting in a way just because it was always sort of this, like, mythos uh, for, like, a very, very long time. And then it became – now it's, like, super commercialized. And it's, it's – I find that kind of interesting. And it's kind of – you take a step back and you're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Uh, uh, it, Tim, the, the contradictions are just absurd. Like, she mentioned uh, Senator Winterton whose son manages Skinwalker Ranch and claims, right. you know, that he's been, um, had a head injury from this, you know, whatever force. Senator, Senator Winterton chaired a Health and Human Services Committee that did oh, not wow. do a thing about the reported illnesses at Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, not didn't so much address them it's just an insult to intelligence like like you say there there's um off the record conversations no doubt going on about man don't 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 bring me that crap yeah <laughs> yeah 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 um anyway all right well we'll we'll move off a little bit off the phenomenon and so we'll sort of pivot to something a little more uh lighthearted here so i one of your recent posts at the blog uh, it's the videos that I love. I'll be honest. I just love the videos. This is the the uh, the Jay Z Knight compound. Um, <laughs> you guys need to like just get these on YouTube because they're hilarious. Uh, which what struck me, and I'll 
I'll set it up and then I'll say, I will figure out who can answer. <laughs> As I said to, uh, to, to Jack and Eric before we started the show, this is, uh, first time I've done one with a couple of guests. So I'm still, uh, getting my feet under me. The blog post, you guys requested information from the town where Jay-Z Knight's compound is. Um, and they're, they're fascinating and, and they're hilarious to me. I don't know. I found them really funny. Just, just, they're so unexpected. Uh, you expect, you expect one thing I, I did at least. I'm like, oh, what, what, what possibly could the police have, uh, have been interested in there? And the, and the, and the thing is, it's more often than not people of, of ranging, uh, levels of sort of craziness and that's being generic, but you know, and I feel for them. Some of them are troubled individuals. I'm not, I don't want to make light of that, but it's like others are just eccentrics. So it's like you, you're, you're eccentrics all the way to people who really need help trying to break into the compound, which is like, what the, it's like, what, what, for varying reasons too, just trying to break into the compound. The police are constantly going out there to, to get you. What, first of all, I thought it was some kind of cult. Why don't they just let them in? Uh, was is like my first my first question. I guess they have standards. Yeah, exactly. They're like, no, no, no. Yeah, we you're not even you're you're not fit for the cult. Um, so I first of all, uh, who what inspired this? What is, like what, how did this come out? How did you guys be like? Because I, I mean, know Jay Z Knight's mixed up with Mufon too, of course. It's all a real weird, weird web of weirdos. Um. um how did this come up to look into it? And, and what was your take when you got the results? Cause like I said, when I saw them, I was, I was kind of like, this wasn't really what I would have expected when, uh, from police files from the, uh, Jay-Z night compound. So who would like to take this from first to start Erica, Jack was kind of, there you go. Oh, Jack, let's go with. You know, I, I, Jay-Z night has always fascinated me. And I think because of my days back in MUFON when I was there, um, kind of t talking a little bit about some of the, the racism that we were seeing from different individuals um, and the, the sexual harassment, things like that. And there was a, a few people that had mentioned that Jay-Z Knight was a big money donor for MUFON. And that, you know, kind of made it to the surface and then it, it was it was gone. She was gone. She was off the, the list publicly. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, that was she was a person uh, that intrigued me. And so Jack and I put our, our brains together and decided that we wanted to do the FOIA request <laughs> and try to and request from law enforcement to try to figure out what was taking place at her cult compound. Um, she is a very interesting uh, woman um, and you know during the what 80s 90s she was very popular on the talk show circuit uh, she had some pretty horrific videos of her channeling Rampha that she has had removed from the ethos and and so I was really excited to see what Jack um, dug up with regard to that, it was like you say, you know, it's like that they were, they, these are really interesting videos to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate um, the humor. Uh, we felt too, like um, on the one hand, it, it's sad and I'm sympathetic about. Absolutely. That there's a, a demographic here that are, are vulnerable and mentally ill and, it affects them negatively, but 
they also seem to be former students and employees in some cases. And I'm pretty sure former student is synonymous with donor. You know, like, like there's oh. not anybody just being oh. given a scholarship to hang out at, at the, uh, you know, in the VIP circle. <laughs> and I would like to get us. Yes. If it's possible, if, if JT Knight's listening, I will take a, I would like a scholarship to your, to your cult. I'll, yeah. I'd like, like to hang out for six months in there. <laughs> oh, oh, some of them, man, they got violent after they'd been there a while. This, this one dude was threatening to kill a guy and, Jesus. uh, yeah, was, uh, but yeah, we we were kind of joking about it too. Uh, we'd find different things and send it to the other one, and I'd say, "Hey, look, this dude wanted enlightenment pretty bad," and it'd be you know like a clip of somebody trying to drive a pickup truck. Yeah, those videos. <laughs> he was wasn't he liberating Rampa? I mean, that's what he was trying to do. Yeah. Yes, one guy yeah. was trying to liberate Rampa. Uh, trying, I read them last uh, earlier today, actually. Yeah, the yeah, one guy like just cut through the fence and was running around with a baseball bat, and then there was another guy who routinely stalked the property with a machete. Um, just, just wild stuff. Wild stuff. Yeah, yeah, the, it, it was wild and. It, it wasn't really what I expected either. Erica was kind of interested in Ms. Knight and the association with MUFON. And I said, yeah, you know, I'll shoot a request over to the FBI. That's kind of my thing. And so since Ms. Knight is very much alive, I did the request on Ramp the School of Enlightenment. And the FBI responded with a couple of pages, and one of those pages said it, the the, page, the the couple of pages they gave us were a memo, and in this memo, the FBI agent was telling another agent that he had been in touch with Thurston County about Ramtha's group, and that Thurston County said they were aware of the the group so when we saw that we were like hey let's ask thurston county if they have any records and then that was yeah do we have records how many do you want <laughs> we got videos you want the digital recordings i mean they got interviews with these people digital files oh, wow. uh, and we we posted all of it there in the folder in the archive and yeah i i mean they they basically act as um ms knight's security personnel to a certain extent yeah yeah it seems yeah seems that way yeah yeah and i can imagine kind of what you're saying about these might be former some of them might be former donors yeah very much like i can only imagine how someone would react if they've like if they've been in there for like five years or whatever and then one day they're like you're out it's like you use the wrong spoon or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah and, and this is actually part of kind of a series erica had talked to me about why don't we look into cults and you know not necessarily the stuff that's been done to death you know like the right, mansons right. and stuff like that but some of the lesser known stuff and yeah there there's this one group 
we're looking into that's like a hundred years old. And like you're saying there, um, one of the leaders in the eighties left because he had said, you guys have just become like a group of isolated people out in the woods, you know, like this is just right. crazy. You know, that <laughs> even the leader had said, this is just nuts. You're not inviting people in, you're isolating, you're afraid of the world. You know, I, I'm get, I'm, I'm going over the wall. And like you're asking them, why aren't they letting people in? Well, some of these people had been run off and trespassed. The 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 one guy obviously had been paying to be involved because when he was at an event, he had the police called when he approached another attendee. Yeah, yeah and offered to sell hand grenades and weapons and whatnot. I don't know <laughs> the, the full nature of their relationship, but after he was told don't come back anymore, he kept trying to force his way back onto the property. And he became one of those people literally going over a wall to get in. And they, they just, yeah, get obsessed with trying to get at her. It's crazy. Yeah. It's very weird. I think, you know, too, I think it really highlights, you know, for me, some of these, the cults that we're looking into, and you could say that, you know, some of the mainstream stuff going on in the UFO world, I mean, there are lots of cults right there for right in front of us um, where people are offering to do some pretty uh, nefarious things. But, you know, like with Rompta, I mean, there were serious allegations of, of sexual abuse, of you know, lot, lots of uh, things going on, and it's in environments like that that are really isolated from the outside world where bad, really bad things can happen. You can have these militia movements pop up that want yeah. to overthrow the government. You can have, you know, sexual abuse uh, taking place, um, all sorts of really horrific things, and I think it's important to understand that, especially when we're looking at the, at the UFO world and into the conspiracy world and and some of these, these things, you know, we're channeling and we're bringing in, you know, the we're touching, you know, touching base with the our star beings and and <laughs> you know nonsense like that. But that those are stuff, those are things that you see at conferences, you yeah, know, and it's for sure. really dangerous. It's a real, it's a dangerous, it's a gateway for things that take place that can really harm individuals and have the potential to pose dangers to our, our community and, and our democracy. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's worrisome. That's for sure. It's, uh, it's a weird, yeah, it's a weird human nature thing. These cults. Uh, that's why I say like, I would, I joke, I fear that what would happen, but I would love to go undercover on one of these just to be like, okay, how close can you get to Rampa? Like, are they, what what is what is the protocol? What do I have to do for a week here on the Ramtha compound? That would be interesting to me. But uh, you know, either I either I, then, then I either wind up a super devotee or like one of the leaders. So that's <laughs> it's a risk I'm not ready to take. You know, after a week, I'd be like, I'm never fucking leaving this place. This is great. I get right, I get three right. I get I get three square meals, and all I got to do is 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 dig ditches all week. This is awesome. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> So, uh, let's see. Now, you opened uh, – I want to specifically – I'm going to jump a little bit in my notes. Uh, we're not really following too closely anyway. But um, 
I specifically want to highlight the archive that you guys recently launched because that's a massive uh, undertaking and there's a huge amount of information there. Uh, and it's a, it's a big achievement. You guys, it, you should be lauded for it. And I want to highlight it because people need to go and look at it. It is, it is tremendous. And it's really, it's, oh, I want to say like almost unique uh, sort of information. It's very eclectic in a way uh, from the UFO world, but from a lot of different interesting personalities and the chiefly among them being Ann Druffle, who was on Banal of America a long time ago, probably like 12 years ago now. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, fantastic, fantastic lady. Uh, she passed away a few years ago, which um, I imagine is kind of how the archive sort of came into your hands, Erica, but talk about the archive, talk about the launch of this archive. And and as I said, Andrew was sort of a signature, one of the centerpiece personalities uh, in the archive. So talk a little bit about it. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, as I mentioned earlier, I started collecting things. Actually, Keith Chester was the first person who sent things to me, oh, uh, banker boxes full of of things back in 2014. And then I just started collecting things. And then I had people reaching out to me over the years saying, I've got all this stuff. Where can I put it? I became friends with Gordon Lore, who was involved in NICAP in the 60s, and he he and I became great friends before he passed away. He was also friends with Ann uh, DeRuffle, and so he had, when Ann had passed away, he reached out to Alice DeRuffle, one of her children, and just said, I have a friend who I trust implicitly, and she will take very good care of your mother's work and preserve it, and so I met with I spoke with Alice, and she felt that that was a, a a comfortable fit for her family, especially to give her mother's work to another female. Yeah. And absolutely. so I went down down to California. I flew down to California. I rented a U-Haul, and then we oh, wow. loaded. Uh, yeah, it was a huge project. We had probably I mean at least at least eighty banker boxes packed wow. full of original material like most of the u-haul was filled and then the, the shelves behind me actually were made by Al, or Anne's uh husband and things oh, wow. and I've, I've got one of her garden gnomes which i'm really proud of because i love oh nice you know just like her signed picture of from charles and heston i mean just like crazy oh very uh, cool stuff. yeah really amazing but you know these are these are documents that have only seen the light of day between, in most cases, the two people that wrote that were corresponding with each other. Right. And, you know, she has all the work that she did for the Dr. James McDonald's uh, book, book Firestorm, all of her abduction research. And I mean, it's just, it's so fascinating. I go in there every day and I just pick up a, you know, handful of documents and I read this and I'm like, Oh my, you know, goodness, this is, this is huge. Like people need to see this to understand yeah. the history of the subject and behind the scenes and some of the early organizations, how they were run, the internal conflicts. Um, it's very, very special to me. And also I had Jim Klotz, who was a researcher um, and was co-author of Faded Giant, who donated over a thousand magazines and periodicals to oh, the wow. archive from the 1940s on. And so I think I have every edition of Fate magazine. I've got some really obscure magazines. Barry Greenwood has donated um, 
periodicals uh, from all over the world. So I have, um, you know, publications from Germany, France, uh, Russia. I mean, just it's it's amazing, and so I love, you know, I, well, it's it's who am I who am I kidding? You know, scanning is not exactly a fun. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So what we're seeing on the website is really just scratching the surface of what you've got. You've got tons of materials. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I'm working with or establishing relationships with archivists here that have worked at the University of Utah Special Collections. And we'll be working with them hopefully in the future to make sure that this the archive is going to a good location, but then you, you bring in Jack and you bring in everything that he's done with yeah. FOIA. And, exactly. you know, yeah. it's just like, it is such a unique, as you mentioned, a unique collection. And I feel because a lot of the UFO stuff, the archives go to people who are UFO enthusiasts or believers. Right, right. And as a result of that, you're only going to get specific information from those archives like, okay, this case in 19, you know, 79, we're going to look for the, you know, the Holy Grail and they're completely omitting all of this other data that's really important. And so that's why I think our collection is, yeah. is very important to the history of the subject and, and to other, other things that Jack and I are working on. Well, I'll make a request down the line uh, if you get the chance. I'd like to see anything that you might have on the with the, 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 the Tahunga Canyon uh, stuff because that's that's kind of her one of her more famous. Oh, I've got stuff. Yeah, I'd be interested I've got a lot of stuff. There. Yeah. yeah, I imagine that's yeah, I imagine that's quite a bit because that was like uh, that was a big book for her and everything. Um, is it like super? The stuff you got is it like super org? Because I think to the poor museum up in um new brunswick that got stan's papers and stan's papers are like just a complete array it, that like i think they it was they had to get they had to rent like multiple trucks i think or go back and forth on it and it's all just in complete disarray and everything and they're trying to like sort through is it is it o- relatively organized uh the stuff you got from ans or is it similar in nature to that because i mean you believe me what? i don't i don't have an archive oddly enough but part of me thinks it's interesting that some of us we may not even have much to pass on because everything is digital now so right. there's not a lot of like when i die i'll have to like hand over all my passwords <laughs> be like that's about it i don't know what else it's all digital but um so to to, to jump back to the original train of thought to the drupal archive is it relatively organized or was it kind of like haphazard and tough to dig through you know, she was actually pretty good about organizing things. The interesting thing is that they were in different areas of her house. And so she had her own, like, collections <laughs> in, in specific, you know, areas. And so it was like, okay. <laughs> so my my goal has been to try to organize things in a way that makes sense for me and my archiving right. process. So there that's been go. something that I've been been doing and, and I will continue to do. And I also have, you know, Gordon Lore's uh things as well which luckily have been uh digitally they've been archived um and things and there that's available on expanding frontiers research so it's a work in progress it's a labor of go. love but it is so cool for me it's one of my one of my passions and when i hold like i look at Anne's um things or gordon's things it it's a really important thing to me that i'm doing because i'm preserving somebody's memory yeah, absolutely. And work, I'm going to make sure, yeah. like, especially, 
you know, with Gordon or with Anne, it's, it's you know, the, I'll make sure that these people aren't forgotten and they're remembered for their contributions to the subject. So. Absolutely. And Anne was pioneering. So, uh, yep. you know, it, she deserves to be remembered among the big, big time researchers uh, of her era. Um, now, Jack, talk a little bit. Another uh, arc aspect of the archive, another piece of the archive is uh, a lot of stuff from Emma Woods, which I think is very uh, important. And it's good that it's out there that people can, <laughs> you can direct people to this story. It's amazing to me. I was telling Erica um, I was saying how we run in very similar circles. We never uh, crossed over and how I'd known you for years and years. I think we kind of came along cross paths originally as a result of a lot of that kerfluffle when it unfolded uh, through mutual friends, Jeremy Vaney and the late great Jeff Ritzman. Um, and that's kind of how we originally, I think, became friends back in the the more quaint times of online ufology. So, but... <laughs> But but um, that's a that's an important case. So I guess talk a little bit about that and, and, and what people can find there. And, and, you know, just just give us your two cents on it, buddy. It is. Um, Emma Woods case is uh, extraordinary. And between her and Carol Rainey, they gave us, in my opinion, the most accurate and truthful view of what had been going on among researchers of alleged alien abduction. And it was not flattering for, for those researchers. It was at best um, confirmation bias run riot and at worst, exploitation and complete disregard for the mental health and physical well-being of the people that were intended to be subjects of books. Emma has this stuff documented well. Uh, like you say, uh, Jeff Ritzman and Jeremy Vaney covered it competently. Yeah, uh, they really blew the whistle on the whole story, so... They did. You know. Jeff Ritzman was the first uh, any type of UFO interview I ever did was Jeff Ritzman's show. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And I was interested in, in the Emma Woods case because I was I was interested in alleged alien abduction. And she has the receipts. She meticulously documented and kept the recordings of the hypnosis sessions uh, with David Jacobs and Jeff Richman and Jeremy Vaney, Dr. Tyler Cokejohn. Uh, I and others would, would do podcasts about this. And uh, once every year or two, I continue to do one. I, I think it's a story that continues to need to be told. Absolutely. How, how she was exploited and um, the unethical, at best, behavior of, of David Jacobs. And we have her, her records in... in our online archive. She is providing 
recordings as audio recordings as well as transcripts that she's painstakingly making she's providing links to although the material in some circumstances is copyrighted she will provide links and summaries of articles yeah, yeah. that have appeared other places some people like gary hayden a researcher that did good work on it is allowing actual articles from his writing to to be uh reproduced by emma and yeah. she's doing a great job of putting this all together for us yeah yeah, well, I mean, she finally just came out with that book, so I'm really happy about that. Um, it was, I recall that you and I were lamenting, Jack, uh, like two or three years ago, um, that, like, uh, you, the the Cretans on UFO Twitter were, like, just hearing about this. It was kind of like, uh, you know, it was very dispiriting because... It, it it was sort of like became the talk of the community on there for like maybe a few days where it was like, well, you know, it was a lot of apologizing for it and that kind of thing. And a lot of like, this is outrageous. This is terrible. And then just kind of went away. But it was just shocking to me that like these people had no idea about this story, had no, uh, uh, you know, it's like, where were you like 10 years ago? And it's like, well, most of them weren't around 10 years ago. And, um, you know, the ones who were apparently just just didn't want to hear it. So it's it was very kind of like, this is unfortunate, this story. I mean, I don't know how much it impacted David Jacobs' career, but it certainly uh, should be more well-known in the community of UFO people. It's, it's it, the very ordinary tale. It, it certainly didn't. He, he left. Um, Temple University, where he was an associate history professor during that time, they 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 downplayed it. Temple downplayed it. Emma filed formal request, formal complaints with human protection agencies as well. Um, yeah, human research subject protection agencies. And they they downplayed it as you would unfortunately expect a university to do. Although he had even used Temple forms about her oh, doing wow. research with him, but I I think that she made a big impact. I, I mean that couldn't have possibly helped his relationship with Temple yeah. University. Yeah, they might have taken him aside and been like, maybe it's time for you to just pursue this alien thing full time, buddy. And yeah, like, yeah, I, like. <laughs> I agree. I can very much envision that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, that's why I want why I wanted to bring it up tonight because yeah, I remember interviewing those guys back in the day, trying to get the word out about it. Uh, you know, I'm sure when I had you first on the show, we talked about it. Uh, it was sort of huh? a uh, and I, I'm sure I talked about it with Tyler, too. It was a topic of conversation amongst people who were willing to talk about the seedy underbelly of a lot of this stuff. Very I'm underbelly. sure we, we have talked about it a number of times. That That's one of the things about ufology, for lack of a better term. 
it necessarily has to keep turning its audience over because yeah. people will just not keep following it. I, I think that a lot of the Louis Elizondo and To the Stars Academy steam is, is running out now. And I think they've lost a lot of people and they need to bring on a, a new group. You know, the, the, the circus packs up the tents and moves to another town period. Right, 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 and right. So I think it works the same way. And yeah, it, it's, it can be really discouraging that the same stuff keeps just today or yesterday, but really recently I saw some people talking about John Carpenter, the, you know, hypnotist, his work. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, huh, am I in the mood? You know, <laughs> give them a couple links or, you know, ah, they'll find it if they want it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you just, I mean, old UFO stories just never die. You know, they right. just new audiences. And about the archiving, that's really important to me is I, I think both of you know, people that, that have read my work, they, they know I'm not really interested in stories about UFOs. I, right, I'm, right. I'm kind of over it. But I am fascinated with the correspondence between researchers and investigators and the intelligence community and you can go through an archive and you can see where like Roscoe Hillencoder was telling the newspaper one thing and telling Donald Kehoe another thing and telling um, skeptic even something different and while you might not be able to really draw what exactly that means, it, it does tell you that that he had some different things going on, and it just yeah. depended on who he was talking to as to what he would say about UFOs. And I find that really interesting, and I find it of historic value to these things need to be preserved and they need to be disseminated widely. Like Erica was saying, not just hidden away by groups and archives that want to promote a pro-UFO agenda that won't show someone's contradictions and statements. Right, right. Different letters. And that stuff needs to be preserved and, and distributed. And the, the efforts like To the Stars and Elizondo and Grush and all of that kind of thing creates so much more stigma than than anyone that that reports a UFO or, or takes serious interest in it ever did. Just, just yeah. the unadulterated foolishness, and that makes it difficult to get the National Archives, the National Endowment for the Arts, the National Endowment for the Humanities, to take a serious interest in UFO archives, even when we're not presenting it as UFOs. Like, we're not interested in, right, in right. 
what people think or what they believe they saw. We just like funding and help preserving historic correspondence between people that have historic military careers and stuff. And the stigma created by just these ridiculous stories that that keep going around and the, you know, the green triangles and all this foolishness (laughs) really hurts the efforts to, you know, seriously document the behavior of quite human beings over the decades. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Erica, I'm going to pivot over Erica because we, we, uh, I let you go for a while there, Jack, on that one, which you have a, <laughs> you have a very valid, <laughs> important point there. Absolutely. Well, you set me up for a good segue in a sense, where it's sort of more of a freeform idea, and I'll sort of turn to Erica first. You said you got into this originally, sort of, you sound a lot like kind of my journey in a way, where you sort of like came into it with like an open mind, sort of a, a wanting to pitch in and kind of be like, all right, let's see what uh let, let's you know let's see where we can go with this kind of thing um because uh yeah like when i first got involved i i just got out of college i could have picked up jim mars alien agenda and sort of listened to coast to coast and was like i was thought to myself well it's been a lifetime since i was a little kid since i was interested in this stuff so clearly they must have made some progress while i was off at college and growing up and and they made a lot of promises that it was like uh that it, they had and it was just right around the corner this is you know this is going to happen and um and so i became pretty disillusioned after like probably a couple of years maybe of of hearing these stories um so was there a point in your journey through MUFON where you were just kind of like, okay, this is, I'm not really, I'm, I'm kind of ready to get off the train, uh, of the UFO train? You know, I mean, I pretty much all day, every day. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's an interesting thing because I, you know, I started to get pretty oh, jaded with the MUFON stuff, but, yeah. you know, I went over to Norway I was um, there for two weeks when they were doing science camp at, in Heshtalan, and right. that was a really cool experience for me. Um, I do think there is something of merit to studying, you know, on the unknown. I just right, was, absolutely. Was yeah, I don't like, want people just before. Yeah, I don't want people to take my. Yeah, I, I'm all yeah, about no, the phenomenon. I think we're all the, <laughs> on the same page, you know, about the, that. And I, I think it's the it's, yes, it's the it's the it's the crowd, man. It's yeah, that's yeah. So, <laughs> so go on. It was you know the MUFON stuff was the first uh, kink in that chain, and then and then it was really delving into Skinwalker, and I will tell you that was a really dark you know chapter in my my life for multiple yeah. reasons, and I just you know that is a really talk about the seedy underbelly of things. That is it, and so I have asked myself and I've had conversations with Jack, you know, I think we you know both have this conversation quite often. Okay, at what point are we gonna jump off this train? You know, where what are our motivations for doing what we're doing and you know, how can we do delve into this and still be sane and healthy yeah. individuals <laughs> and, right, and right. things. And so I that's something that I've you know, every day I'm I'm 
remembering Anne Druffel, I'm remembering Gordon every day, I'm remembering the work that we're doing at EFR. And so as, as skeptical or as jaded as I've become, I, I still have a, a wonder for for the, the subject, for the history. It's just it's Absolutely. fascinating. Right, Even right. if, you know, I just have to take out my personal stuff and then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think maybe, and, and, and Jack kind of spoke to it too here. That's kind of what set me up in a way uh, with this segue. But I think the three of us can kind of recognize that because we were all in this before the the New York Times thing, like, changed everything. And we can all see that this has completely changed. Um, it, it's just a completely different world to the point that I've likened it to, I explain, I kind of say that it's UFOs, UFO, ufology, UFOs. That's all before 2017, 2017. I'll let them have UAP. That's their thing. That's if we want to, the, whatever that whole thing is, that's UAP research. Uh, and UFO research is completely different because the UAP stuff is all with the government and all this other thing. It's all government based. Fine. Take it. I like the UFOs better, but it's it really interesting that it's just completely changed. And the the UAP thing is that is what UFOs are now to the general public and the quaint sort of world of flying saucer research that we all grew up in is is marginalized in a, in a way um, and, and, and maybe sensationalized for the really crazy cases. But the but the, the whole sort of scene is like fading away in an unfortunate way. Uh, Jack, you, uh, okay, go ahead. You started. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm, I just, I just can't quit talking. Inner, what can I tell you? My inner, my inner Steve Harvey. I'm, I'm, I'm on the top of the, top of the show. I, the, the, I mean, you know, I was just saying, I think it's, it's always been an interesting topic as far as, you know, you, you have groups that are politically motivated and trying to steer the agenda. That's all, you know, you can see that with, right. you know, Kehoe and NICAP and, and, and things. And I think now it's just that times, you know, a hundred and that's un, unfortunate. And it's, it has just really become pretty, a, a really, really toxic environment. And Absolutely. there aren't a lot of, at least back in the olden days, you know, before dinosaurs ruled the earth and I was in my prime, you know, it was like you could, <laughs> You know, I mean, it's you were having conversations with people that you knew who, you know, you knew this person. Yeah. You knew yeah. their identity. You know, it's not just, you know, going into different chat rooms and communicating with who knows who and, right, and, and things. Right. And so it really that has that has changed. And that's really unfortunate for the topic. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. I'm going to throw it to you, Jack, in a minute. But I just uh, yeah. And part of this thing that it makes me uneasy with UAP research or activism is that the, is the, is there's a militancy to it. That's like, uh, you know, I feel like this could be eventually t turned in the wrong direction. Um, so that's, that, that worries me a lot. It's like, you don't see, you don't see that kind of militancy from like Bigfoot researchers or ghost hunters and things of that nature. Or, uh, you know, e e e flat earthers, like <laughs> people, they're just kind of like, they do that. They're not, there's an anger there. There's an underlying anger and sort of, makes me uneasy but anyway so jack speak to this jack i i, I would love to, yeah i really want to hear in a sense too kind of how i framed it here to erica you came along you were sort of writing about these more quaint and stories and it, it like i think if this ever which thing came along now 
it may have even had a much bigger impact because, like, nobody fucking cared about UFOs, uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago. It's really changed just just five or six years ago. So I guess what, what has been your reaction to seeing this sort of sleepy little world of eccentrics and, and, and you know, uh, quasi-researchers to this governmental behemoth that is UAP, you know, the UAP phenomena or part of a zeitgeist or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what, you know, <laughs> this change. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it was the perfect storm of public relations that whatever we want to say uh, about Christopher Mellon and his associates, they did a really good job of, oh, yeah. of public relations. They they cashed in favors or whatever they did that they, they got the media outlets they wanted and they got uh, stories printed the places they wanted that were effective. And I think it was kind of a perfect storm along with the pandemic of conferences stopped, regional meetings stopped. And that just gave Twitter, Facebook, social media, that became the UFO community or, or UA, UFO Twitter. Right. There, there, like Erica was saying, uh, there, there wasn't really just calling up researchers and talking and, you know, meeting at, at the the uh, bagel shop on Saturdays, that, that just stopped. And the UFO community, and certainly many people's association with it, just became a social media account for them. Yeah. That's what they knew. And yeah, I, I mean, to the stars got this in the media, got it on the news, got people talking about it. it I think it was kind of the perfect storm. Trouble yeah, is, yeah. They, they're they're incorrect about virtually everything that they said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's the problem. It's an interesting conundrum in a sense because, yeah, it they've been fabulously successful at getting people to talk about UFOs. Um, you know, not in my lifetime did I think that you'd see as much coverage as you're seeing now in congressional hearings and all this. But it's just so, like, wrong. As you say, It's it doesn't seem to make any sense uh, to me. I don't understand where this is going um, because I can't imagine they're going to tell us that there's aliens. So, so uh, it's a... Yeah, it's interesting. So whoever, whoever has the agenda aimed at getting people to talk about UFOs has done a fantastic job of it. Erica, do you have any sort of theory on why this is happening? You know, I think it, it was. it's really interesting because you talk about the pandemic and you also couldn't go back to the change of leadership in our country and then see the real um, conspiracy mindset um take hold and so you have different you know like i'm a fitness instructor pilates instructor and i have a lot of friends that are very health conscious and you see the kind of erosion of 
really kind of pure motivations in the health and wellness industry. You see that in people in the spirituality in, you know, there are all sorts of ways in which different groups have had their, you know, data mined and then had really dangerous kind of beliefs introduced into that their group. So it's not just specific to the UFO um, community, but I think UFO community is unique because I think it's a testing ground for a lot of <laughs> maybe the intelligence yeah, yeah. community and a lot of uh, to see how ideas spread and things. And I think, you know, we've always had, you know, the FEMA camps, you know, on the, the cover of Fate magazine or whatever, UFO magazine and, and the, you know, the, the feds are going to take our rights away and things like that. And it just got, it just to a, a point now where you've got, the UFO community so energized, like you're mentioning, almost in a dangerous uh, way, like we're going to storm the government and we're going to hold elected officials accountable for keeping this technology away from us right. and hiding, you know, the little evens, you know, um, <laughs> and things. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. And so I think it's a I think there's a lot of money behind it. Yeah, I think that it's, uh, you know, we could all I don't know. I know a few tech bros that we could, you know, call out, but I've done that a few too many times, I'm afraid. Um, but I think that there, it's to to steer a narrative and an agenda. And I think a lot of different communities are used for that purpose to create yeah. mistrust in government or... Absolutely, you know, that's definitely so, Yeah, it's... And it's fascinating in a sense, too. I found it interesting the... When NASA had the panel of of experts or whatever to look at UFOs doing what these people ostensibly want, which is the government to look at it. Like the first thing they said is like, can you please stop harassing us and threatening us? And it's like, who is doing, who is doing the harassing and the threatening? And it's like, Oh, it's the, you, it's the alien believers. Let's just right. say what it is. It's the alien believers. And they insist yep. as aliens. And, but it's like, don't you people understand that, that like, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Like, why are you threatening these, like, these, like, random scientists? People, they don't deserve to be threatened. These are, not that anyone deserves to be threatened. You know what I'm saying? These aren't even public figures. They're, they're random, highly accomplished people uh, from universities and, and, and uh, government agencies or whatever um, who, are, who are subject to harassment. This, that is... To me, it's just—it's so madness. It's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, uh, uh, it's troubling in a way. It really is. It's—it it doesn't make any sense to me. If you're the people who want the answers, just let them do their thing and be like Brewer, and then punch holes in what they produce. If if it, it can have holes punched right, in exactly. it, right? Exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. <laughs> they they complain that they want qualified scientists to look at stuff then when they do they they reject the explanations and the rationality that they're given and as eric is saying there's just no getting around that history shows us how the topic of ufos is used as a gateway to uh, cults, to influence political agendas. I, I mean, that's just an, an old thing, and it, it's cited by many 
competent researchers and it, it's just apparently continuing that you, you get people to share that distrust of authority and right. then you just piggyback it right on to cryptocurrency and needing exactly. to decentralize finances. And Erica went to that conference in Utah where she gets uh, back and she tells me the speakers would talk two or three minutes about UFOs and then it just became a 45 minute crypto commercial. You know, interesting. And, oh, I have, yeah. Interesting. So then we we did that blog post on all these UFO promoters that that are apparently contracted, and or just think it's a good idea to promote crypto. I mean, it's just pick an agenda. You'll you'll find UFOs exactly. attached to it. You know. Well, that's perfect timing. That's perfect. Uh, you, you should, yeah, you, you can read my mind, Jack. Uh, well, because that's in the notes here on this, which is another issue that people should be aware of. Um, I think that's kind of a running theme here in this in in this uh, conversation this evening. People should be aware of this, that there is now sort of a mixing of, of UFOs and crypto, um, which is worrisome because, I mean, look, I don't know anything about crypto. And so, and I imagine that a lot of people really don't. Um, and the people and there and there, and I'm, but I'm smart enough to know that what I don't know. So I don't invest in crypto, but I think there are a lot of people who aren't smart enough to know what they don't know. And they end up <laughs> soon separating from a lot of money so they can buy, uh, you know, uh, Valiant Thor coin. So, uh, uh, well, Jack sort of set you up there for that, Erica. So what is, what happened here? You went to a UFO conference and they're, and, and they, and they turned into a, a crypto pitch. <laughs> yes, yes, it did. It was quite interesting. Uh, Jalen Heineck's son was there and we got, you know, 10 minutes of, oh, my dad, my dad, yada, yada. And hey, let's talk about taking our currency to Mars. And how are we going to, what kind of money are we going to use to when we're exchanging money with aliens? I mean, it was just like, oh, God, I mean, it was and it was, you know, I mean, not not just him. It was most of the speakers there they were promoting specific uh nfts cryptocurrency it was very interesting to me and it also i just have to throw this out there i have heard and i haven't been able to back this up but that um because it takes a lot of power to generate you know to, to work with crypto and things that yeah, yeah yeah there is you know it the power in, in the uinta basin is fairly cheap and i was informed by someone that they would bring in like huge um tractor trailer containers and use that to do their crypto, you know. Yeah, this is a recurring problem all over the country. Yeah, so it, it's 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 interesting and there were as we, as we discovered Jack did a great blog on Safe Moon and things and I'll let Jack talk a little bit about that. So interesting. Well, this is kind of what I was sort of referencing in a way earlier where it was like, look, if you have the money to go out to all the way to the middle of nowhere to see <laughs> a phenomenon. Let's just, you know, um, then, then someone who has crypto, you're, you're, you, you're who they want to talk to. Um, yeah, they'd like to hit you up for more than a t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. So talk a little bit about what you've uncovered there, Jack. Well, yeah, I, I mean, 
Erica saw this conference and there were people like Chris Leto that's selling digital images and um, Jay Allen Hynek's son Paul that apparently was representing Bitcoin says in his profile that that he he represents crypto. Um, we we discovered Avi Loeb appeared at a conference. Uh, uh, for a Bitcoin conference, and Bitcoin. it was kind of concerning that these people that are always saying that they'll, these scientists that when they get criticized about doing a less than reputable event, they'll say, well, it gets the word out. We want to talk to people. <laughs> well, they don't seem to want to talk to us when we want to ask them, uh, what what does your your work have to do with Bitcoin? Would you you know please explain to right, us? Right. So they don't seem to want to talk to us. And one of the people that were most vocal about SafeMoon, uh, a a cryptocurrency, was Brandon Fugel. And this was kind of amusing in an odd sort of way that the guys in the crypto world we could go back and research and see that they were they were just dogging him the whole time telling him he didn't know what he was talking about and and then people that knew who brandon was would we'd tell them that he's he's pitching safe moon and they'd be like no 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 way and then we like show them and go yeah right here he's <laughs> yeah. tweeting it man he's tweeting that that he's on board with safe moon and they'd be like wow everybody knows safe moon's just a terrible bet and and he was defending it when they would throw this at him he yeah it, it was a big thing in, in the crypto world and SafeMoon was a big story as well because it, it got accused of unethical and, and arguably criminal inflating and devaluing. And uh, after that happened, Brandon continued to defend his investing uh, knowledge even after he told me that he claimed when we hit him up for comment that he lost 90% of his investment in SafeMoon after he had, you know, been pitching it to everybody. And uh, he denied having any financial incentives to, to pitch crypto. And I don't have any reason to disbelieve that. I just find it, I, I guess I'll just say, Tim, I, I find it incredibly short-sighted when you know you have a significant following that you get on the internet and, and talk about where people should invest their money. And yeah. it's what you do for a living, that, that like you work with Colliers International, you're a real estate for a living and it it it's pretty baffling but yeah he was among those who who came across our desk yeah. pitching crypto to the general Weird. public some 
acknowledge that they have contracts and and have financial interests with companies some claim they don't and just like crypto <laughs> yeah well that's not entirely i mean that yeah i mean that may not necessarily be entirely hard to believe in a sense because if you're if you're kind of like a ufo zealot and let's face it if you buy if you buy skinwalker ranch you're a ufo zealot i'm sorry brandon if you're listening um but you are uh i, I mean look if i had the money i'd buy skinwalker ranch so i guess kind of call me a wannabe ufo zealot um <laughs> But yeah, if it, so, if you're getting mixed up in that kind of scene, I can see how the crypto. I don't know. I'm sure. Have you ever talked to someone into crypto? They're they're worse than a UFO buff. They just they just talk and talk about the blockchain and all this shit that I don't have any understanding about and how crypto's the future and crypto's this and that and it's very cult like. So if you can if you're susceptible to the UFO cult, you're probably susceptible also to the to the crypto cult. So they may. There may not necessarily be anything nefarious on anyone's part. It might just be that they're super, super into crypto because uh, these, these, there's a lot of these people like that, crypto bros. Um, so who knows? But think before you invest, folks. Well, Adrian, I, I just want to say, too, that crypto is, you know, I mean, it, it, it's uh, a great way to launder money. It's a great way that that has, you know, there are a lot of um groups that are uh well the you know neo-nazis and people involved in a lot of extremist activities that is a way that they move money as well and so it's um it is there's that talk about a seedy underbelly crypto yeah right yeah. there <laughs> has a pretty seedy uh underbelly and so it is it's it's yeah people need to just be do their due diligence and understand that there, there's much more to, to crypto than meets the eye, and just to be careful. Yeah, the the Justice Department has hit some uh, some coins and those that represent them hard, and some some money laundering schemes. I don't think there's any way to get around that. It's really easy to envision that people who would attend a UFO conference may seem like a good demographic to target for a poor investment. And so <laughs> it, it's, it's hard to get around that. That, like you were saying, Tim. Just put that on a t shirt, Jack. Yeah, you, you, ha you, you have. Um, expendable income if you're at this this event right uh, i think unfortunately like a lot of a lot of the people that attend this these events don't i mean they're like taking well, you know, yeah. their savings or you know packing their little kids up and driving across country and they don't you know have and that that's another thing that's it's so sad about kind of targeting that demographic to begin with because there are people that are very sincere that don't, you know, don't understand some of the, these, you know, the, the finer things of crypto and and the manipulation right, right. in the subject, and that's really, um, that's that's sad and unfortunate. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, if there were 50 people at that event, like maybe 15 are comfortably can spend money, you know, but there could be a good 25 people that really had to scrimp and and, and make it and. You know, both groups are kind of susceptible to 
get rich schemes. So, well, and Utah's so. the capital for that. So, <laughs> um, now as, well, as we wind down, I kind of like threw this out there, but I, I'll sort of hone it, hone in on it a little bit more. And uh, I guess I'll sort of, and I almost hate to ask this question, but I'm, I am curious as to your opinions on this. Uh, but it's such a broad question. But like. Where it's here, it is. It's the middle of October. Uh, I think today I heard that um, that they got permission, as I call it, to go into the broom closet with Grush, um, the Congress lady uh, from. She's like Marjorie Taylor Greene of Florida. Uh, she's she's like uh, she spearheaded the thing with Matt Gates and her. Lena, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um. Her and Matt Gates and Tim Burchett uh, have got permission to go into the broom closet with Grush. So this is going to be, you know, put it on pay-per-view, but it's not, <laughs> but we can't, right? Because it's going to be in the in a Sith, as they call it. I, I call it the broom closet. So, got <laughs> so apparently they're allowed to go in and look at the shit. So that's the latest update on this saga. So I guess the question is... Um, like where where do you see this going in the next like year or two? Because uh, I I said to me it's very confounding because it feels like they're pushing the ball right up to the line with a lot of this screw stuff. They're busting out the aliens now. They're getting closer, but I don't see how this can possibly unfold in any way that people envision. Like I said earlier, the government's just going to say, "Oh, there's aliens." So to me, it's like this is a this is an unstoppable force meeting an immovable logic. How is this going to conclude somehow? Um, or is it going to fizzle out and how, how, how will that happen? Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm curious about where this is going. So Jack, what do you think, you know, as we kind of wind down 23, um, you know, it seems like they're not going to stop making noise, uh, about this. So, uh, I'm curious, what do you think? I don't think that we're going to have anything publicly disclosed of significance. And I think there will be a percentage of people that think something significant was disclosed. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that makes sense. I I think it 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 just goes on and on and on. I mean... Kehoe and NICAP got congressional hearings in the 60s. Ever since, we've had so-called whistleblowers that claim to be able to tell us about Roswell and about this, and they saw an alien, and they saw the files. And uh, I, I don't think Grush even claims he saw any of it. I think he, yeah. he says he talked to people that that's my understanding. Yeah, yeah, worked yeah. On stuff. I I think politicians will be interested in something grandstanding, any topic, whether it's yeah. aliens, whether it's health care, whether it's prison reform, whether it's human rights, as long as they're consultants tell them it's beneficial to grandstand that topic. I, I think it's going to continue like it has because my personal opinion is I don't think there is anything to disclose. I, right, I think right. this is, I think 
I think 99.9% of it is about exotic aircraft and spy games. And uh, I, I, I think people that believe aliens are among us will keep believing it no matter what is or isn't. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, well, you you hit a couple points, and I'm going to throw to you in a minute, Erica, so you can take some time to think of like you didn't have time just now, but I'm, I'm going to jump in. So, but I think that you're absolutely right, Jack, in the sense that it's the greatest thing for Tim Burchett's career was this UFO thing. Like, I had never heard of him until he became UFO congressman, and now, yeah. now they... Now they have him on asking him about fucking uh, gun control and, and all kinds. He's just a talking head all over the place to talk about actual issues. And it's like, you're the UFO guy. I don't fuck what you think about abortion, dude. I don't, you, your opinions are useless to me. You're completely off the reservation here already. It's so bizarre that people, that it's actually helped his career to come on. And now he, that people want his opinion on all kinds of shit. And it's like, what? Why? Um, and it's yeah, it's very it, it's it's very interesting, and I think a lot of people who get jazzed up about these these congressional hearings, people like uh, in U, UAP world, um, they need to realize too that like I don't know if they've heard, but Congress is broken right now. There's not even anyone in running Congress, the House of Representatives. It's broken. It's completely fucking broken, and we're on the cusp of what looks like World War Three. So. The alien thing and the UFO thing is might very well just be a pleasant distraction, um, as if they were like, we need to organize policies to hunt down unicorns, uh, and we had congressional congressional hearings about it, and people were like, I'm all about the fucking unicorn issue. I don't have time to worry about this whole thing in the Middle East and Ukraine. That's I'm I'm a unicorn. I'm team unicorn. We need to get to the bottom of that. So it's like I wonder if it's just uh, keep people busy while the world burns, sort of thing. So Erica, where do you think you know this might be headed as we close out the year and twenty next uh, next year, twenty twenty four, all that good stuff? You know, I think you're still going to have the same ringleaders. Uh, you know, uh, you know, the, and the flying monkeys. Um, the great Oz will still be behind Bigelow, uh, behind <laughs> the curtain. But, uh, you know, all of these people who are, you know, obviously, you know, with Bigelow, he's got a vested interest in in uh, politics in Nevada and, and all over the country. DeSantis, who's a big donor for DeSantis. So I think there, yeah. he's, there's still going to be, um, you know, that there will be new people that pop up, as we've seen Elizondo and Grush and, and Corbell will keep up uh, his his little insane clown posse gig, um, and so there will always be somebody that's willing to take over. But at the end of the day, the same people are still behind the scenes, and right. it will just you know, like you mentioned so brilliantly, it, it's it's just it's appealing to a younger demographic who doesn't understand the history of right, right. The topic and how it is. You know, oh gosh, they're saying that we've got dead alien bodies. Well. You know, flash forward to, or go back to last decade and the decade before and, and things like that. And so um, it'll keep the circus will keep, you know, coming to town. Um, and it's unfortunate because I think now more than ever, the stakes are a little bit higher because there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than we probably understand. So we really need to be 
savvy and educate ourselves and, and uh, ground ourselves in looking for factual information from verified sources. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I thought this was going to like fizzle out earlier in the year when they shot down those things. I was like, oh, shit, this is the this is going to be the end of the UFO <laughs> thing. And they're going to be like, oh, we figured it out. Then all of a sudden they roll out Grush and it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. You got to be kidding me. I thought, I thought I thought the circus thought the circus was going to leave town, but it's back. It's back on. So it's it's really what's interesting. I think the three of us can agree. It's interesting. There are characters who are uh, running thread throughout the history of this most recent history. But there's also an interesting sort of like um, like a UFO archetype. Uh, and I'd be interested. I haven't really. Uh, I would say, like, everyone out there, put your thinking caps on, and, and maybe, because uh, I know a lot of the listeners are also steeped in UFO history, but it's like, you take Nick Pope, he's kind of like, Lou Elizondo was like a modern Nick Pope, he's kind of got the same archetype, the government guy, um, even Brand Fugel is kind of like a Bigelow type, it's sort of like a rich benefactor character, you've got David Grush, who's like the Bob Lazar archetype, um, it's, it's just very, it's just very interesting. And I, like I said, I, those are just kind of off the top of my head, but I think as you, if people yeah. kind of more look at UFO history and then look at contemporary UFO history, you could probably slot a lot of these people into the same archetypes, uh, over the generations. It's really, I, I don't necessarily know if that's orchestrated. I think it's just a really interesting, weird, uh, quirk of, of, history or how things unfold or uh, sociology or whatever. I don't even know how you would place it, but it's, it's just intriguing. Yeah. Like it just works out that way. Like it was Colonel Alexander in the library with the candlestick. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Joe Firmage, Robert Bigelow, Brandon Fugel. Yeah. They, there's that. You get that role. I, like I often felt like in politics that um, uh, if the they, they've already got a good Democrat, so somebody needs to be the Ivy League Republican that's and <laughs> yeah. you know we we have a cattle call for that if anybody wants to try it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any thoughts on that archetype meandering I just rolled out, Erica, before we... Uh... You know what, I, I just am thinking about it, and I'm thinking about, you know, grown men in their underoos, their superhero underoos, <laughs> flying in on their helicopters, and, and uh, you like, know... I'll give you another one. You've got Linda Moulton Howe, and you've got Leslie Keene. It's the journalist, it's the lady journalist, and you get a lady journalist. It's like, it's very... I don't know. I need to, like, sit down and, like, write this down, because... <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't you know, I mean, that was really good. That was a great, look that's back, a great observation. I'd, I'd be interested to look back and see if you could actually put these, fill these archetypes in with people from like the 50s, 60s, 70s. It'd be that's an really, odd, uh, yeah. I mean, I like that. Like I said, to all the people listening, all the all the uh, but all the American listeners who are also steeped in UFO history, put your put your thinking caps on. Uh, this would be an interesting exercise, and this has been an interesting conversation. I've had a fantastic time. I got to say, guys, uh, I, I feel like you brought the best out of me tonight. So I was really happy with, with how I was 
because uh, it's been tough sort of getting into the rhythm of this show. And tonight it was just like, fuck, man, I'm hitting on all cylinders. So good. Uh, and it's, be- good. And it's because I had two fantastic guests engaging and we were in this this fantastic conversation over the course of the night. So um, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I was just so- thinking I was thinking the same thing about you. And I was just thinking this is such a great conversation. Like you are a wonderful host and you brought oh, out the best in much. us. And so, you know, hopefully we can get you on on the show but this has been a really oh i'd be happy really to great conversation and it's nice yeah to it was awesome you. it's nice to finally meet you and i think now it's the beginning of a long friendship so uh, Me too. we're gonna we're gonna kick up some uh kick over some logs and cause some trouble so <laughs> and jack it's always a pleasure with you man you know oh jack i love you brother you know that so i love you tim thank you, you. i'm really glad you're pleased with the show um, it, it's our pleasure. Our pleasure. Oh man. Yeah. No. Yeah. The pleasure goes all the way around. So, <laughs> um, all right. Well, I've taken up enough of you guys time and so we'll call it a night and Jack will go find out who won the baseball game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot. Thank guys. You. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. Bye.